Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 349th ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week was covering in person this week's Valspar Championship at Innisbrook Resort's Copperhead Course, just a stone's throw down the road from Tampa. Innisbrook is located in Palm Harbor, Florida, and it was just a great week at the Valspar. Did a fabulous job. And Paul Casey yesterday became the first Valspar back-to-back winner ever. And he just put together another great round for the second year in a row. Great tournament. Great round on Sunday to close it out. And it was just an electric atmosphere there. First and foremost, as you would hope and expect in Florida, the weather was absolutely perfect, 80 degrees, sunny, and the crowds just were overflow all four days, especially Saturday when uh, the, the day was capped off with an evening concert on the practice range by none other than Brad Paisley, famed country western star and Paid Manning sidekick in the nationwide commercials. But uh, yeah, it was a terrific field. Uh, final group was Paul Casey, who was tied for the lead after Saturday, and he played with Dustin Johnson and Louis Oosthausen made a run, and he was uh, right in the thick of it till the end. And just a lot of other big names, many of them in the mix Bubba Watson. Uh, Jim Furyk, uh, Heinrich Stenson, Sergio Garcia, Jason Day, John Rahm, Patrick Reed, Steve Stricker, Keegan Bradley. They were all all in attendance. So it was really uh, just a terrific tournament. And Innisbrook, which I played in December, the Copperhead course, which was a thrill. And it was really wonderful to... Uh, watch a PGA tournament on a course that I had just golfed uh, a mere three months ago. So, again, the Tampa crowds were really terrific, as you would well imagine. Many, many uh, northerners were down enjoying the weather, enjoying the golf course, which is truly an iconic property. 
and uh, Valspar is a great sponsor of the tournament, and they just re-upped for the next number of years to continue hosting it. So it was just uh, a a good time had by all, to put it mildly. And uh, so just a great, great uh, week. And it capped off also by after Paul Casey won, as uh, he was signing his scorecard and what, they did a great uh, army parachutist uh, event while waiting the awards presentation, trophy presentation, where uh, three army rangers parachuted onto the 18th fairway, and it was really, really cool. They had the University of South Florida, based in Tampa, had their marching band. Uh, marching up the 18th fairway. So it was just that kind of a week, just all kinds of fun. As many sponsors as I've ever seen at any golf tournament, as many activities, unique and otherwise for kids, what have you. Uh, And it was just a huge deal in this area. Everybody was talking about it. It seemed like everybody I ran into had tickets for at least one day, if not more. And so it was really just a uh, one of the one of the better golf tournaments that I've ever covered or attended. So hats off to the Valspar and to Innisbrook for just putting on another terrific tournament. So that leads into my bizarre story of the week, which is a lack of buzzer beaters. Uh, for the first four days of the NCAA tournament, March Madness, it was, uh, but it was all washed away in, uh, last evening with the just absolutely spectacular heart pounding ending to the university of central Florida, which of course everybody here in Tampa, uh, not too far from Orlando was just, uh, enraptured with. Went down to the truly the final seconds, and Zion Williamson, as you would expect, was uh, at the center of everything. Uh, made a shot to draw within one point, got fouled, went to the line, missed it, and then R.J. Barrett wrestled away the rebound and put it back to give Duke a one-point lead. And then the real, and this was all with just six to eight, well, about ten seconds to go. Then UCF got the ball with seven seconds to go, came down, they got a good look, and more importantly, we're right there uh, for the tip-in of a missed shot, and it rolled around the rim at the buzzer, and didn't go down, and it looked like it was going to go down, so it was really uh, the highest of high drama, and again, in a tournament where... Uh, just not as many buzzer beaters as we're used to seeing or uh, just the massive upsets, certainly nothing like uh, UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, 16 seed beating the one seed, the overall one seed last year, Virginia. Didn't have, a, didn't have anything quite like that, but again, uh, the UCF Duke game was a genuine, genuine classic. So... Uh, it just kind of washed away every uh, any lack we had of um, of buzzer beaters during the 
other non-stop games. Great time of year, Thursday and Friday. Uh, just basically 12 hours each day. And it was just wonderful. So, um, and my low light of the week is Rob Gronkowski retiring from the Patriots. Hard to believe. Uh, at age 29, he is, in my mind, a surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, 79 TDs, most in Patriots history, among the most for a tight end in NFL history. Truly a unique and unstoppable force on a football field. Unique. We never really saw anybody quite like him. And unstoppable, it speaks for itself. Uh, he basically was as unstoppable a football player as I think the NFL has ever seen. Uh, great blocker as well as a great pass catcher. Huge, great runner. We all remember, all we're used to seeing Gronk dragging tacklers down the field, and he left. He leaves with a signature, which is his signature spike after every touchdown catch. Uh, it had been around for years. Uh, obviously, uh, that used to be the touchdown celebration, but Gronk brought it back, reinvented it after it was dormant for decades, it seemed, and. Uh, and basically, just for me, I, I, I think it was time. Um, no one has been more beaten up his body than Gronk or endured more injuries and recoveries. And most importantly, he had what I consider just about a perfect ending for a career, which is catching the ball at the two-yard line late in the, this past Super Bowl win over the Rams. The Patriots scored on the next play. And basically won the Super Bowl. And uh, so, to me, there's no better way to go out than basically making the key play, the game-winning play, uh, over-the-shoulder catch at about, again, the two-yard line to uh, set up uh, another Patriots Super Bowl win. So, it was really uh, just... And it was really just a terrific uh, career. I was fortunate to witness him many, many, many times uh, at Gillette Stadium. Uh, spikes uh, in the end zone where I, I would be sitting and uh, right in front of me. And the memories will live forever of Gronk. Uh, truly one of the game's uh, most interesting, unique players on and off the field uh, ever. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? 
Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And AP, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, John. How are you? So glad to be on your show. Well, we appreciate you calling in, as always. And we're in the throes of March Madness. I uh, just said in the first segment, uh, you know, it was not as many buzzer beaters or major upsets that we're used to seeing. But I think it all got washed away last evening when, uh, with the ending of that Duke-Central Florida game, which was just spectacular. And the interest level here in Florida was just off the charts, as you could well expect. Uh, and that was just a great game. And, uh, and AP, you have to be thrilled. The SEC is making quite a statement with uh, the teams they got in the Sweet 16. Yes, they tied their record, John. Uh, 1986, they had four teams, and then 1996 was the latest with four teams. So you have Tennessee, Kentucky, LSU, and the Auburn Tigers, who have been playing wow. spectacular the last uh, 10 games or so, 11 games. They're on a streak now. Auburn, yes, they're on a roll, aren't they? They sure are, and uh, those three-pointers, they just keep raining down on people, and then they pick your pocket at every chance, and that's helped them as well. Right, and much to the delight of Charles Barkley, uh, (laughs) among their most famous alumni, and not saying something, you have people like Bo Jackson, but Charles is loving it. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone having more fun than Charles watching these games. I totally agree, totally agree. So, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, so impressive. I mean, Kentucky, you know, all credit to John Calipari. He always rounds them into form by tournament time, you know, always for the freshman-laden team. Then you have LSU with their 
uh, interim coach, I guess. Their coach of yes. all year long is sidelined. Um, Tennessee, you know, they were number one for a period, and then they got blown out in Kentucky. And frankly, I think everybody just sort of forgot about them, just sort of wrote them off, even though they came back and beat Kentucky at home, you know, in subsequent weeks. But And then we have Auburn, like you said, on a roll. Yeah, Tennessee is kind of an interesting team because they had a little bit of a lull at the end of the season and exactly. were beaten by Auburn in the league championship by 20 points. But they're a good inside-outside team, and they have excellent guard play, and Grant Williams is fantastic. Uh, he'll take you inside and get those and uh, one plays, or he'll shoot the three-pointer and, and give you three points that way. But he, he's a sensational player and uh, one of the good ones in the, in the country. Oh, no doubt about it, AP. And uh, yeah, so it's just going to be uh, quite a weekend coming up for the SEC. That's just, uh, you know, to have four teams from one conference is just uh, incredible, really. And, you know, Tennessee, they could be the sleeper here again. They were number one in the nation not all that long ago. And yeah, they have to. Yeah, yeah, John. You know, they have to go to Louisville, which is a good spot, right next to Tennessee, and then Purdue, right there in Indiana. So that fan base for both teams will be out in full force. That'll be quite a uh, venue for that ball game. Yes, especially in basketball, mad Indiana. Uh, right. You know, no one loves basketball more than the state of Indiana. No. That's for darn sure. And. No. Uh, yeah, so that that's just going to be terrific. And then Kentucky, you, you know, you, you never count them out, ever. Uh, no, no. There's just that question mark now with uh, P.J. Uh, Washington is, is, has an injury, so they're not sure about his status right now, I don't believe. So. And they're playing the hot Houston team, which is trying to make a name for themselves uh, to get back to the Final Four since the first time in the mid-'80s with the the great five slam and jam and uh, Elijah Wine and company. Right, the team that lost to Jim Valvano and NC State. We all remember Jim Valvano running around looking for somebody to hug at the end. We all remember the ending of that game, for gosh sakes. Um, When NC State won at the end. and uh, So, yeah, and American Athletic Conference. I'm sure they're loving it down at headquarters in Providence to see uh, the Houston Cougars uh, in the Sweet 16 as well and and just the rebirth of that program. Yeah, I mean, I always loved watching those Guy Lewis teams. I mean, I just oh, yeah. thought that that people always were, you know, criticize him, but it takes somebody special to co- to uh, coach all that talent and let them play ball and not put the reins on them. I mean, it's, I think it's easier said than done. And I was so glad to see when he was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Oh, absolutely. And let's not forget, this is also the school where Elvin Hayes played. And he played in maybe the most important basketball game in the history of college basketball, which was the famous I think so. UCLA-Houston game in the Astrodome. Uh, Elvin Hayes against Lou Alcindor at the time, later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But, you know, that's a, everyone remembers where they were moment where they watched that game. I certainly do. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll never forget that night. And it was Saturday never. night, January 20th. 1968. 1968. Yep. had 39 points. He made the final two free throws to put them ahead and preserve the victory 
and uh, Don Chaney was part of that team. Kenny Spain was the center. I believe he was on the 68 Olympic team. Ken Spain and Theodos right. Lee, and, and uh, they have Lucius Allen and Mike Lynn and uh, Mike Warren, uh, and, of course, uh, Lou Alcindor at the time. Oh, I know. What a team. Mike Warren, of course, later went on to fame in Hill Street Blues. <laughs> we all remember that. And uh, <laughs> yeah. But most importantly, Guy Lewis and John Wooten. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- that game, just to give perspective, was, you, you know, along the lines of Ali Frazier won. It really was. It was that, you, you know, America came to a stop when that game was played. I remember it, again, vividly. Yeah, it's amazing, John, how people at that time, they weren't sure if college basketball could uh, grab the the attention of the American people. And, uh, you know, really it's kind of a precursor to the 24-hour sports shows that you could put on all these uh, college teams, professional teams, and they would watch these games. Uh, I don't think... Uh, you know, it was, it was beginning of finding out that there was an appetite, strong appetite, to watch uh, basketball, football, all, the, all these different sports, baseball, on a 24-hour basis, seven days. You're 100%. Yep. You're 100% right, AP. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. The, the, what happened that night is was the foundation for the world of sports we live in today. No question about it. Uh, especially, you know, with college basketball, but I think in college sports in general, it was uh, a happening at the highest level, to put it mildly, and I can't give it any, again, more praise than uh, even mentioning it in the same breath as Ali Fraser won, which was right in that same time frame, late 60s, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, plus, not to mention, you know, UCLA and their just unbelievable dynasty, for we people back east, it was impossible to like see them. You were you got to see them in the tournament, but maybe one or two games a year if you were lucky. And again, <laughs> that game was prime time, and everybody got to see them. You know, the famous UCLA Bruins, un, un, practically unbeatable until that night for a period of like a decade. And uh, yeah, so uh, good memories there. So here we have Houston. Back in the uh, back in the fold, back in the Sweet 16, so it's fun. It really is, and uh, so I wonder if uh, so. It must be interesting for you, AP, given you just covered the SEC tournament, you know, uh, ten days ago, and got to see these four teams in person. So you, you just have to be loving it. Yeah, they're all slightly different, John, and I was kind of focusing in on the Auburn Tigers being in Alabama, of course, and they're right. going up against North Carolina, and they like to play that racehorse basketball as well. So I think if you, uh, you know, go to the kitchen, you might miss uh, 30, you know, 15 points. If you go to get a drink in the kitchen, you better stay, stay tuned to the game because those two teams just go up and down the court at a phenomenal pace. And Auburn, they launch those three-pointers from everywhere, and they're unselfish, and they're stealing the basketball from everybody, creating turnovers. And so now it's just a question of uh, if somebody's, you know, you need two or three people to keep the hot hand. And they have ten players that can score Auburn, which is uh, makes it a fun team to watch because each night you're not sure who's going to do them uh, uh, the scoring. Exactly, exactly. It does make it really uh, intriguing 
to say the least. And uh, tell you a team I've been impressed with uh, is Virginia. I just thought they looked. We all know what happened to them last year. The upset of upsets when they got beat by a 16 seed, first time ever. But boy, watching their passing and whatnot, and they're just so fluid. Obviously, goes without saying they're playing with a purpose, <laughs> given you know where where they what happened last year, and they've been you know in the mix, shall we say, for the past half dozen or so years. Been, this team looks like it might have the goods. It really does. Yeah, they're going up against the Oregon Ducks, who is one of the surprises of the tournament as Correct. well. So, uh, you know, you have uh, the Pac-12 team going against Virginia, and that game, John, is that being played in um, Louisville as well? I'm not I'm exactly not sure at the moment, but... Yeah, the, yeah uh, it's in the same bracket as Purdue and Tennessee. It's got to be in Louisville. Yeah, so it's right. Right, it's right there in Louisville. Yeah, so, you know, Virginia will have their fans uh, in attendance, and then Oregon, they'll be bringing contingency as well. Um, but that, that should be a good ball game. Uh, Oregon, one of the teams that's uh, surprised because, you know, the Pac-12 was not very strong this year, but they came through the bracket, and they beat the UC Irvine Anteaters, and they, uh, they beat Wisconsin from the Big Ten. So they're, they'll be a good representative for their conference and see if they can hold off Virginia Cavaliers, who are rated number one in that bracket. Exactly, AP. And, you know, it was interesting because Oregon was the team that all the prognosticators were saying, you know, not that high of a seed, maybe a 12 seed or thereabouts, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But, yes. yeah, not that high of a seed. But a lot of people were saying, you know, if, if you're looking to pick a low seed, this is your team. And, boy, kind of kicking myself that I didn't pick them because they, they were right on this one. It's so hard to to ID who is going to be, who are going to be, you know, the small group of teams that are going to, you know, make a run uh, from a low seed. But uh, no, they, they nailed it with Oregon because they were playing well at the end of the year. And again, the prognosticators had this one perfectly right. Um, so AP, hard to believe uh, we're already at the end of our first segment Always good talking basketball. Uh, nothing quite like March Madness, that's for sure. But why don't we take our break now? And we have a lot to get to on the other side. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com you 
are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we talked March Madness uh, in the last segment. Uh, But aside from March Madness, there was... Other big SEC basketball news right in your backyard, of course, uh, where Alabama, not so shockingly, fired Avery Johnson after four years. They lost the first round of the NIT, if I'm not mistaken, just last week, and and that was that, right? Yeah, they lost to Norfolk State. Uh, I believe they're the MEAC champion, I think. Uh, they lost in the league championship, I believe. But they were like rated, ranked maybe 260th or something like that. I mean, it just can't happen. You're at Alabama, Power 5 team in the SEC, and you lose at home to Norfolk State. Congratulations to them, but that right. was like maybe the last straw uh, against Avery Johnson. His team had not performed very well throughout the season. Uh, losing non-conference games, losing to Texas A&M twice, getting swept by your rival Auburn, uh, not, not having enough wins to even be considered for the NCAA tournament, and uh, it was just it wasn't going in a good direction, John. And that's the decision you have to make as the athletic director uh, when you have two thousand fans at the game and it holds fifteen thousand. I don't think, uh, you know, I think you lost your, your fan base and the players. That, I mean, John, uh, at the press conference after the game, one of the Norfolk State players said, you know, how he felt confident, you know, I'm paraphrasing now, that he was watching the Alabama team warm up and they were kind of lagging. Oh, really? Ouch. Like, yeah. So that's Ouch. really kind of damning. And then, you know, one of the players from Alabama said there wasn't the attitude and effort in one of the press conferences in, at the end at, in Nashville. So... I mean, those are damning statements. Very, very. Um, yeah, and Norfolk State, didn't they have a massive upset in the NCAA March Madness four or five years ago? Like, massive? Yeah, I think so, yeah. John. I just can't it's, remember the team. I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I can't I, remember the team. Yeah, it was definitely them. I mean, it was like uh, the stunner of that year. Uh, game where you... Yes. Yes, I remember. So that's the same Nor- Norfolk State, so they have a little history. But nonetheless, yeah, Alabama, uh, you said it perfectly, AP. They just cannot lose that game in the opening round of the NIT. And uh, it's been choppy. You, no one knows better than you. You've covered not only the football but basketball for years. And I'm guessing, AP, you know, Obviously, the basketball was always and, and maybe will always be secondary to the legendary Alabama football program. But you've made so many strides, Alabama, in you know in recent years, to last ten to twenty years or so, to become you know an excellent team and someone who can compete. And so, 
I'm sure there's just no interest in taking a step backwards, period, which is kind of what's happened here the last couple of years. Yeah, there's there's no question that Alabama has a good history of basketball, John. Uh, maybe it's not as well known across the country, but they're second in the all-time wins in the Southeastern Conference. They've won num- numerous league championships, tournament cha- championships, and they've had some great players in the NBA. One time they had as, as many as anyone. Uh, right. Latrell Sprewell, Robert Ord, all that, that group. Uh, uh, but Alabama, they have all the they have the facilities. People always complain about Coleman Coliseum, but John, they had that uh, arena fifteen thousand people in nineteen sixty eight. Wow! I mean, can you imagine? I mean, you you were you were around basketball, and you saw you know on the East Coast. Let's say, I mean, they used to play in the gymnasiums of four or five thousand. Where Alabama nineteen sixty eight coach Bryant, he had this premonition that basketball would become big, and so he built that Coleman Coliseum, fifteen thousand people. So that he was a visionary leader, and uh, he uh, it just wasn't in football, right? Right. So, uh, you know, and they, they hired Sam Newton. Yeah, they hired Sam Newton. He he was brought in, and Alabama made their first NCAA tournament, and uh, the rest is history. And he he recruited uh, Wendell Hudson. We became the first African American to receive a athletic scholarship at Alabama. And they had some good teams, went to the NIT and competed very well in the NCAA tournament through the years. And, I mean, John, their best team almost beat the Indiana team, which was 32-0. That's the last undefeated team in 1976. And they came within an eyelash of defeating uh, Bobby Knight and company. And, and if you ask Bobby Knight, he'll tell you that was the best team he played all year. In 1976, that was the undefeated Indiana team, correct? Right, that was the last time there was an undefeated team in college basketball in 1976. But, I mean, recruits don't want to hear about it. I mean, recruits can't remember uh, three years ago. So right. it's important when you bring in somebody that uh, they realize that Alabama's committed to having a good basketball team. And this idea that you're a football school or basketball school, I mean, I, I never could understand the two because if you're coaching and you're beating teams in basketball, the football coach is not stopping you from winning. Correct. Exactly yeah, right. I, I don't get it. I mean, we saw Florida have back-to-back championships with Steve Spurrier as a football coach and Billy Dunneman. So what does that mean? They're, they're, they're only a football school and they won two championships back-to-back? Exactly. And that's a classic it, example. You know. Yeah, people come up with these statements and they're not logical. They don't make any sense. If you want to be good at basketball, get a good coach, hit recruit the players, uh, you'll have a good basketball team. You want to, you know, when Alabama's had multiple championships uh, in other sports, they don't, they don't say, "Oh, you can't win at a golf championship at Alabama." It's a football school, right? Exactly right. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I, I, you I know, and, and Penn I mean, State has done the same thing. They've, you, you know, they remind me a lot of how they've, you know, gradually improved their basketball program to be simply relevant uh, with a nice arena to boot. So there you go. It can be done. We, we yeah. in Florida is the classic example of how well it can be done. Yeah, so I've never been a believer in this idea that a school is just a football school. Uh, right. I just can't. I don't buy it. I mean, it's been proven. You know, Oklahoma's been in the Final Four in basketball. Oh yeah. Te- te- Texas, I believe, was in the Final Four in basketball. Ohio State was in the Final Four in basketball multiple times. So you tell me that's just a football school. What happened? What happened to the just football school? What, I mean, did, did they let Ohio State win in basketball just to 
disprove that. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to make that kind of statement because the Ohio State people like Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, Florida, they're going to show up for the Alabama brand, you know, the Oklahoma brand, the Texas brand, the Ohio State brand. I mean, you have a 15,000-seat arena. Uh, they're going to sell it out, man, to see Alabama win to play in the SEC. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, let's not forget, you know, UCLA, um, a team with, right. you know, where basketball was king, but football was more than relevant. USC, yep. another example of a famous football team that up there, uh, basketball program, but they just had the, uh, you know, unfortunate circumstance of playing in the same town as U- same town as UCLA. Right. But yeah, yeah, and also Notre Dame. I mean. Uh, who can ever forget those great Notre Dame teams with, you know, Adrian Dantley and John Shumate, yes. Austin yes. Carr, uh, you know, you talk relevant. They were the team that broke, of course, UCLA's 88 game winning streak. So, and uh, I, I don't think we need to go into Notre Dame football. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, right. it's, it can most certainly be done to put it mildly AP. Yes. Yes. So people who make those statements, I, I kind of disregard. Yeah, and here's another good example, because I want to touch on Duke, UCF. Uh, yeah, you know, Duke, obviously a basketball school, uh, but their, uh, you know, football program has, you know, come a long way, to say the least, to be relevant in the ACC. And then UCF, I mean, we all know what they've done on the football field, and now with their seven foot six center quite a presence it's just so interesting to just watch him on the floor going up against zion williamson but ap you know again at the top of the show i said fewer buzzer beaters and upsets i felt than we're used to for the first four days of march madness but in the same light it was all washed away and literally 10 seconds with that just spectacular classic ending to the duke ucf game yeah, that Central Florida, that would have been some story for them to yes. have their basketball team in the oh, Sweet yes. 16 after their football team went undefeated, uh, you know, uh, you know, recently. So that would have been fabulous. Exactly. I mean, the two the gener- uh, revenue-generating sports are competing with top teams in America. Absolutely right. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, and, you know, I'm, I'm down here in Florida. I'm only an hour from Orlando. And, you know, covering the Valspar Golf Tournament and between the Gators, you know, winning their first game and uh, playing into the weekend. And then yesterday it was just uh, in the back of everybody's mind, you know, the UCF Duke game. It was just a, a, a massive story and event down here again, just right down the road from Orlando. And uh, it would have been something, uh, you know. I like Duke, but I would have loved to have seen UCF pull it off. It was right there for them. Even Coach K himself said post-game that, you know, they were deserving of winning that game. And uh, and they were. And, boy, it would have just been uh, electric down here had they won and were continuing on into this coming weekend. But, again, you know, seeing, uh, you know, Zion Williamson, he certainly – secured his legend as if it needed securing but you know for him to do at the end of that game what he did just was uh just spoke volumes even though you know he he made 
they were down three. He made a shot that brought them to within one. Fouled, missed the foul shot. And just to show the kind of year he's having AP, of course, his miss, which would have tied the game, uh, was rebounded by his uh, running mate, R.J. Barrett, put it in. Duke suddenly had a one-point lead rather than just a tie. And then that ending with UCF getting the ball, seven seconds. They got a good first look, but the, the, the better look was the tip-in, and it was like halfway down the cylinder and just rimmed around and popped out. So rat the buzzer. That was just as good an ending as you can have, especially given the stakes of Duke being the number one overall seed and uh, perilously close to their season ending, to put it mildly. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, Johnny Dawkins is one of uh, Mike Krzyzewski's favorite players of all time. And right. he was coaching, and then his son was playing in the game at 32 points. He came yes. up short on the tap-in, uh, you know, which was really ironic. Uh, but but Duke uh, survived and advances in uh, Central Florida. But they're building quite an athletic program in Orlando. They really are, you know. And I know I always say this, but bears repeating. Uh, they are now have more students than any school in America, which is a good trivia question that not many people would get. It's stunning. I've been on the campus there. It's its own city. Uh, they have something that sounds like 60,000 students, the largest student body in America, and so, which is just remarkable fact when you think about it. Right. Now, most people would not know that fact about Central Florida having such a huge uh, student body. There's no way that, you know, they would make that connection. They'd probably think Ohio State, Michigan State, something right. like that. Absolutely, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, and those schools are in, in and around the, the, the 50,000 student body size. But, uh, yeah, so it was really, uh, you know, again, just a classic Sunday evening ending. Uh, it was perfectly timed down here in the Tampa area for uh, the ending came soon after the golf tournament. So anybody who stayed to the end of the golf tournament was in a position to settle in somewhere close for the ending, which was, again, just, uh, you know, one of the best endings you could, you could possibly have. And uh, yeah, so Duke, they're, they're probably still exhaling today. No doubt about it. And I think every national, you know, potential national champion, number one seed, you, you know, they almost always have a test like this that they have to pass. Championships yeah, don't come easy. <laughs> no, it always happens. There's a game where they make an escape. Uh, the one exactly. that I call, let's say, well UCLA when they played Missouri. Missouri. Right. Exactly. Good example. Good example. Yeah. He, that one comes he, to mind. Correct. No, that, that's a very good example. And, uh, yeah, you just don't, uh, no matter number one seed or not, top seeds, you, you just rarely roll to victory uh, without any tests. Or, But you said the perfect word, AP, escape. That was an escape, if ever there was one. Yeah, and, and I'm sure there's many more. I just, at the top of my head, that's what I recall. Um, but, you know, this tournament is... Uh, I'm really excited to watch these four SEC teams, uh, Auburn uh, particularly because, and I think we spoke about this, that's the blue blood bracket over there with Kansas, 
North Carolina and Kentucky, and they defeated Kansas handily. I mean, right from the start, they hit a, quite a few three-pointers. Three Bryce uh, Brown was hot. He was so hot. I think he ended up with seven for the game, and uh, they had a big lead and, and hung on for the victory. And now they have to play North Carolina, and if they beat North Carolina, if they're fortunate to win that game against the Tar Heels, Kentucky is in the wings waiting if they defeat Houston. So I've never heard of anybody having to beat Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky just to get to the Final Four. Exactly. Yes. It's uh, it's going to be quite a road. I yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that in tournament history. I'd have to research a little bit, but that's pretty – if you had to pull three names out of the air, uh, I mean, the only one you'd have you, – you know, Unless it was UCLA Day, UCLA in the heyday, um, I'm trying to think of a few other teams you could throw in that mix. Maybe Louisville, right? But right. Kansas, North Carolina, Kentucky, those are three all-time winners. Hey, no doubt about it, AP. Um, legendary, every one of them. Um, yeah, but but the bit, but you know when you're a team like Auburn and these young players, they don't think along those lines, John. No, no, they no, just no, no. Every time, yeah, every time they lace up their shoes, they can win a game, and they're not, uh, you know, engulfed by history. Absolutely right. Yes, the, uh, good for them that they're not. They're, uh, yes. you know, living for today, and history is uh, never on their mind. Way P, no. here we are at the end of our second segment together, but it is time for our break, and we still have a few things to get to on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, of course, March Madness. It's not over yet. <laughs> we're only in the middle now. Uh, so we're down to the Sweet 16, which means some 
Uh, delicious matchups coming up Thursday through Sunday. Uh, it's been good so far, and I got the feeling, AP, that the classic Sunday evening ending last night of Duke UCF, maybe it'll be the launching pad for an exhilarating Sweet 16 weekend. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's how it unfolds because that, that really got the juices flowing. Yeah, I think this uh, Sweet 16, there's only one uh, double-digit seed, and that's Oregon remaining. Right. There you go. Yes, we, we, we've got uh, the creme de la creme, for the most part, still standing. And, uh, again, you, you know, it, it's an interesting point, AP, in that we, we all love the upsets when they're actually occurring in front of us in real time. But yeah. after the upset, then you have, you know, matchups that we're not looking for, you know, for the, for the next game, shall we say. And, uh, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, people love to see the Blue Bloods, myself included. But, you know, we, we love an upset when it's literally happening. But then when it's over and you get to the next game, sometimes, uh, you know, the upsets are the, the, the upset winners are not exactly going to draw the ratings that uh, CBS would like, shall we say. No, no, they sure won't. So, yeah, I think people will be excited to see the um, these matchups. You know, I, I want to see uh, what Auburn does against North Carolina. That's my primary focus, really. Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to be great, no doubt about it. Um, so th- that's going to be fun. But, AP, we can't let this show end without the seismic news of Rob Gronkowski, the one and only Gronk, announcing his retirement last evening, <laughs> uh, right at age 29. Uh, AP, in my mind, one of the most unique football players in NFL history ever. Surefire Hall of Famer, 79 TDs, yeah. uh, most ever for a Patriot, <laughs> you know, for the Patriots, and among the highest for a tight end ever in NFL history. And you talk about making your mark on the NFL. Uh, you know, Gronk was that and more. I think he made the right decision. He, no, nobody has been more battered than his. And he capped off his career by making the key play to set up the winning touchdown in last year's Super Bowl at the end of the game. So to me, it was a perfect way to go out. And I've been saying that yeah. since basically the end of the Super Bowl in this past uh, February. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way for him to end his career. And when you look at all the tight ends in the Hall of Fame, I was just going through the list, and uh, he'll be he'll be in that class uh, within probably the next five to seven years, I would think. I would think. Uh, yeah, I would think. You know, you have to be out five years, and I'm not sure if he's going to be on the first round. But uh, I don't think it really matters to somebody like Ron because he wants to be there to to show his affection for the game and all the people who helped him. And so, yeah, we look, you know, that'll be something the Patriots fans can look forward to. But, uh, you know, I'm just going over the list here, John. And, you know, Mike Dicka was the first one in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and then when you you follow up with, uh, for Mike Dicka, it was John Mackey, tremendous tight end, uh, Jackie Smith, Kellen Winslow, Ozzie Newsom. Dave Casper, Charlie Sanders, Shannon Sharp. Wow! So that's that, that's quite a list. That's quite a list yep. of, of uh, you know all those players bring up 
you know, conjure up Im- images of, of their style of play and the catches they made. So it, it'd be tough to pick the best of that group, but, but Kronk's name is surely to be mentioned. He played in an era of football when it was tight end centric, really. Oh, absolutely. Um, no, and it's more than just statistics, and he's got him. He, he has as good as statistics yeah, oh, for, yeah. I think, nine oh, years he played of anybody. Yeah. But but it's more important to me, just the presence. He's a household name, period. Yeah. And that's to me, is how I often judge the Hall of Fame. You know, are they right. a household name, period. you got to have the statistics. I get that. But, you know, <laughs> there's no more. There's no bigger household name. Uh, this side of Tom Brady than Rob Gronkowski and, you know, his impact, uh, you know, his signature spike. I mean, he literally brought back the original NFL touchdown celebration from decades ago and made it his own, yeah. which is just yeah. a simple spike of the ball yeah. when he scored a touchdown. And, uh, right. you know, so simple yet so perfect and uh, for him especially. And, uh yeah, yeah, just an absolute uh, a force in every way on and off the field. He is going to do big things post-football career, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, you had the game plan for him, John. I mean, that makes him a Hall of Famer in my mind. You know, there you defensive go. coaches, uh, I mean, they're not sleeping at night because they're trying to figure out a way to guard this big six-foot six, six foot seven player that was strong and even could outrun you. Correct, and I said in the opening segment, AP, he was unique, and he was unstoppable, literally unstoppable. And, uh, and you know, I don't think you can give him any more higher praise than those two words. And uh, he, was, he was that and more, so, you know, good for him. And, uh, you know, I, I, on to bigger and better things, which is hard to say given his great career, but I, I think he is going to be on to bigger and better things. He, he's still going to be with us for years to come, I believe, in some other capacity. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you help, You hope that uh, he takes care of himself and uh, he, he doesn't go out too much on the limb. Right. No, he will. He will. Um, so, AP, thank you as always. We're here at the end of the show comes up quickly but thank you again for your perspective and expertise and appreciate you calling in hey john thank you so much and everyone enjoy the uh, march madness i agree as always thank you all for listening to all around sports and we look forward to doing it all again next monday at noon eastern time Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.